0: Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. So today, guys, I have a wonderful guest that I'm really excited to introduce to you. His name is Doug Sands. He's a certified hypnotist who specializes in stress and anxiety relief. He runs Anywhere Hypnosis, an online hypnosis practice that works with clients all over the world. Doug is also the host of the Making Meaning podcast, a show that interviews adventurous people who have built their ideal lives to learn what struggles they face along the way. So with that said, I now introduce you all to our new guest, Doug Sands.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you very much, Doug. So let's talk more about your profession as a hypnotist. Um, Tell us more about that. When did you get started and what does that entail? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I started my journey toward a hypnotist very young. I, it definitely wasn't um, an end goal that I had in mind. And like no one that really starts life, I think, really wanting to be a hypnotist. We've got this very confused idea of what hypnosis is. But um, I started life wanting to be a writer and uh, working with language and learning the patterns behind language and how language makes us feel, I think, really set me up for success with hypnosis. But Uh, I was struggling with mental health very early on in my life. I developed depression in um, my senior year of high school. And in college, I was searching for for meaning, for a purpose in my life. And I wasn't finding it there. And so I left college and I started bouncing around the US, started doing some seasonal work in adventurous places like Maine and New Hampshire. And it wasn't until I almost froze to death on a hike in in New Hampshire that I realized I couldn't keep living the way I was, repeating these cycles of mental health and mental illness. And it was then that I started searching for things that I could do with my own mental health. And that's where I discovered meditation and I discovered Buddhism and I started learning about the spirituality and the science behind meditation and Buddhism and those practices. And that eventually led me to hypnosis what a lot of people don't realize is that hypnosis and meditation have very strong links, both with the brainwave patterns, like the science behind it, as well as the actual feeling of it. A lot of longtime meditators who experience hypnosis say that it felt like a very deep guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it is. You are working the same mental muscles. And so when I'm working with someone who, comes to me for mental health with hypnosis it really helps to have that background in meditation but it's definitely not required because all you need for hypnosis to make that change is the willingness to make that change and the ability to focus because that is really the core of it you're just focusing on something to the exclusion of all else and you're opening up your mind to make those deep unconscious changes
0: amazing amazing Okay, so with that said, we're going to just kind of dive right into the mental health story. With that said, so my friend, what is your mental health diagnosis? And when were you diagnosed?
1: I was diagnosed with clinical depression in my senior of high school, I was 16 or 17 at the time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, my mental health story probably began a little earlier with that. My mother actually had depression, and she took her own life when I was very young. And we didn't have the words to talk about that. I grew up in a very rural part of Wisconsin. And mental health was something that if we just ignored it, then it would probably go away. Right, And it it definitely was not. And when I had that struggle with my own mental health, when I started showing these signs and signals I had no words to describe what I was feeling, and I didn't even think about it that way. It wasn't until someone that I trusted actually came to me and said, Doug, I don't think you're all right. This isn't like just sadness or something that you're struggling through through this week. You've been feeling this way for a long time, and I think you should probably get some help. And when I told my family about this, I thought that having such a history of it with my own mother... Yeah. that they would have been very supportive of it. But it was a major struggle between me and them as my caretakers to get me the help I needed. And that was a very, very pivotal moment, because I was not in that place where I had the energy and the strength to fight for myself. Mm-hmm. but I had just enough to fight for what I knew I needed. And so we went to our family doctor, our, our clinician, and it they put me on a very low dose of some, some medicine, I forget which one. And I started seeing psychologists and psychiatrists for therapy and medication and, um, things started to turn around and my senior year of high school, I was still, still figuring out mental health. And then I went off to college and, um, I wasn't seeing my therapist, but we had kind of resolved most of the issues, I at least got a handle on them, I should say. And I was still on medication. And then when I was bouncing around the US on these seasonal jobs, I think part of me really wanted to be okay and really wanted to set medication aside. So
0: mm-hmm. that's what I
1: did. I went off my medication and I definitely don't recommend that for people because I needed something to support me as opposed to medication or in place of it, but I didn't have it yet. I kind of like jumped in into the fire in with both feet mm-hmm. and looking back, if I had the opportunity to do it again, I think it would have stayed on medication much longer until I had those resources.
0: Okay. Interesting. So it's really good that you mentioned that you had a friend um, <laughs> that actually was able to kind of help you to identify that something was wrong. I'm really glad that you had that friend because Sometimes when you have a mental illness, it's really hard to see yourself and to see when things are actually changing. And yeah, that's kind of phenomenal that you had that friend to point out to you um, that something wasn't going well. So with that said, um, I'd like to talk about your mental health story of resilience. How did you bounce forward? Um, I know you, and then, oh, before you get to that, I know you mentioned that you stopped taking medication at one point. What was the reason for you stopping taking the medication? Was there something, were you doing better? um, Or, yeah, what was your reasoning for that? I was doing
1: partially better. Let's say it that way. I think my depression and my anxiety were partially environmentally based because once I got out of Wisconsin and I started doing these adventurous things like climbing mountains and rock climbing and all these things, I felt partially better, like it was. I wasn't fixed, but I started to wonder if, if there were other things that I could do that um, I didn't need to take medication. Right. For me, it was still that stigma of medication as being this crutch or this thing that's proved I was broken, which now I understand it's completely not that at all. And I wanted to be okay. And my mind in that twisted state thought that as long as I was on these medications, I was not okay. And so it was kind of that pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality mm-hmm. saying that if I can put this aside, then I, then I will be fine. And putting those aside wasn't really the best idea because I didn't have those support systems but eventually, I did find those in meditation and hypnosis.
0: Cool. So let's talk about meditation and the hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you mentioned that they're quite closely related. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can talk to me about um, your discovery towards hip, hip, um, hypnosis and your discovery towards meditation, how that, yeah. how that came apart. Of your Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. I found meditation trying to calm my anxiety. And it definitely does that. Uh, for anyone trying meditation for the first time, there is that initial hump to get over because a lot of us—that's the first time that we really sit down with our own thoughts and just be willing to listen to everything that's happening in our own minds. And t- at times, that can be scary. For me, especially in m- my mental health struggles, that was terrifying. Um, but I knew that I was going to get the positive results with it, and so I stuck through it. And over time, I became much more adept at sitting with my thoughts without anxiety. And that really taught me how to sit with those thoughts when I wasn't in meditation and hypnosis came along because I was listening to podcasts about meditation and I heard about the science behind the two of them. And just a brief rundown, looking at the brain waves. when we're in solo meditation, our brains are running at higher frequency than they normally normally are and when we are in a guided meditation they're actually dropping down the scale going closer to sleep and hypnosis is the same way same way we drop down the scale our brain waves actually slow down and we enter that creative state and so that's what i mean when i say hypnosis is kind of like a very deep guided meditation we're mm-hmm. using proven language patterns to help get people to that deep state where they can make those changes very easily at an unconscious level.
0: Cool, cool. So what did you have to do when you were at your lowest points? um, If you can list all the different resources that you had that were helpful to you when you were at your lowest points to help you to overcome your mental health challenges, what were they?
1: Mm, My lowest point, I hadn't discovered meditation hypnosis yet, but I think One of the key things was a, a call list. I had a group of friends that I had contacted beforehand when I was, you know, feeling all right in between these really dark moments, I contacted them and asked them, can I call you, you know, if I'm having a really rough moment or a really rough couple of days Mm -hmm. and almost unanimously people were like, of course. And so I started gathering this list because when I was in my really dark moments, I didn't want to call anyone. I didn't think anyone wanted to listen to me. And so my brain literally blocked out any mention of people who had thought of or who had mentioned they'd want to help me in those moments by putting it physically on a list and saying, these are people who have agreed to help me in those moments, it kind of obligated me to reach out to them. And it gave me hope knowing that there was always someone there on the other end of the line because I would call down that list and sometimes people would be busy, they couldn't pick up the phone or sometimes I would get someone and they could only talk for five minutes, but I could continue down that list and find another friend who was willing to talk with me about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to, to have um, a list. How many people were on that list? I would say 10 to 11. That's amazing to find 10 to 11 people that you can actually reach out to because sometimes it's very lonely having a mental health challenge. People don't necessarily want to be around you because of um, the unknown. Like I recently did a show um, yesterday, actually, which I posted on my podcast about how to support someone with bipolar disorder. And um one thing that they talked about is to be just be there for them and to listen when um they are sharing you know their feelings Mm -hmm. and so with these people what are some of the things that you hoped that they would do for you when they um I guess would listen to you what are some things that you would hope for them to to do for you when they're on the phone when you call first
1: and foremost it was what you just said just being that willing ear to listen and not be alone And that was such a huge thing. Um, We talked about people where we talked about active listening and people who would just listen and be that guiding, or not guiding, but even just supporting shoulder that you could lean on in that times. But I also had people on that list who would give me that hard love, who would give me those suggestions that would kind of break me out of my own stuck loops. And that I was really... Um, unable to break out of by myself. Mm-hmm. And they would give me those hard love suggestions like, you know, you need to get out of the house today or you need to get cleaned up and go to that event that you promised people you were going to. And they weren't they weren't extremely big things like you have to be happy like this instant or you have to go give a speech or something. It was simply those small steps. And that encouragement, even when I didn't really want to hear it, that encouragement, it knocked down those first dominoes. And by showing that, yeah, I can I can do these small things, it gave me the courage and the motivation to continue and do bigger and bigger things and work to pull myself out of those own states.
0: Amazing. It's good that they were able to give you sometimes. Sometimes you really need people who can give you that you know that push that extra push is to mm-hmm. kind of get started but also you do need those other people who just will sit back and listen and just um help you to be able to to vent yeah to get it all out you know to express your feelings um, but you know sometimes it also really helps it's good to have that balance of people mm-hmm. in your life because sometimes we can't we can't move forward you know and we don't we we don't have the strength to do it But there are other times we just need a little push, you know, just a little pin in our butts uh, just to push us forward, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, so another thing I'd like to ask is um, what are three things that you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? Mm.
1: The first thing, I wish I had the knowledge that I was going to be all right. I don't know, like a picture or a message for my future self. I wish I had something to hold on to saying that one, I was going to be alive, but two, these issues were not going to be nearly as prominent in my life. I wanted that hope from myself that things were not permanent, that things that I was, that I was struggling with were not constantly going to plague me for the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: the second thing I really wish I had in those lowest moments would be, I think, the tools. I think I came into meditation and hypnosis kind of late in my journey, and I wish I had those tools earlier. That being said, I'm not sure I would have been receptive enough in that state to actually practice those things, but I wish I had tools that I could use because I always thought mental health was something that someone fixed for me, and now i realize that it's something that we fix with others help okay. and if i had that that motivation or I don't, that's not the right word if i had that belief that i could fix myself i think that would have made huge changes in my in my journey and i think the last thing that i really would have liked is the knowledge that it's okay to not be okay yeah that knowledge that It's all right to not feel all right right now, because in, in the future, things are going to change, things are going to progress. And I would love to have told myself that these things that your mind are doing, they're working supposedly for your benefit. It's not your mind working against you. It's using tools that have probably worked in the past, but are no longer applicable like they're no longer helping you. The tools that it's using are worse than the problem that it was trying to use it against. And that knowledge that it's okay to not be okay and that your brain is not working against you. That's what I give to myself.
0: Amazing. So I really agree with that point that it's it's okay to not be okay because sometimes we think that we just have to be happy all the time. We just have to have the, the best mood. We have to be positive. But the reality is mental health is a continuum. It goes up and down. It has its waves. And sometimes we're going to be low. Sometimes we'll be high. Sometimes we'll be just mediocre um, and neutral, but it's all okay. It's all okay. And I'm glad that that's one of your points. I think it's a really great point that um, our listeners could actually appreciate because um, sometimes people just, uh, um, they beat up on themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um we don't need that. (laughs) So with that said, what words of hope can you give to our listeners?
1: Mm -hmm. I would say that our emotions and our mental states are much more malleable and much more changeable than a lot of us realized. And whether we do that, whether we change those thoughts and habits and loops that we get ourselves stuck in, whether we change those with meditation or hypnosis or psychology and medication, or simply by going out and meeting with friends or going for a walk or doing something you really enjoy. When you break up those patterns, you are literally making it easier for your brain to break those up later. You are teaching yourself a new habit. Because along the way, I believe that mental health or mental illness, I should say, becomes this habit, this loop that we perpetuate and it isn't until we can break up that loop and really give ourselves some space that we start to see those changes
0: amazing so i'd like to go back a little Um, i wanted to ask you about therapy during your your period did you ever um have therapy um and if you did what what did you find was helpful about that
1: I, I did, I had cognitive behavioral therapy okay. and it was it was the first time I realized or I, I learned that our thoughts are not our reality. Yeah. Or I, I should say our thoughts are not objective, meaning that we create our own reality. And my therapist in one of our very early sessions told me this line that has stuck with me for years. She said that we are meaning making creatures And that we make our own meaning from the objective reality that is around us. And that kind of became the philosophy behind the podcast. You know, I call it the Making Meaning podcast. Right. Because we are not only making our own um, purpose in life, we're not only making that meaning that really gives us joy, but we're also talking about how our brains are making meaning from the events around us. And they are really dissecting it and creating this narrative that um, perhaps can be tinted by our past events. And it's only by seeing things clearly, whether through therapy or through other modalities, that we start to um, realize that things can change.
0: Cool. So let's go into your podcast. So your podcast is, um, tell us more about your podcast, um, the type of guests that you've had, (laughs) Um this type of stories that you guys have told. I'm just I'm just interested.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love to interview adventurous people. And by that I define it as people who are in in the driver's seat of their own life. Mm-hmm. Because for so long I was I was this victim of my life. Life was happening to me. And it wasn't something that I created and I shaped. Mm-hmm. And when I was starting out, I believed that there was this huge chasm that I had to cross. Like I saw the people who were living adventurous lives, like hiking and sailing around the world or doing amazing backpacking trips. And I wanted to be like that, but I didn't know how to get there. And it wasn't until I had the courage to ask these people about their own journeys that I realized they've overcome so much in their own journey and they're still working on on themselves and their own mental health. And with that, It gave me the inspiration to take those small daily steps that eventually became this path towards where I am today. And so really my goal with that podcast is to give people the understanding there is a path. Sometimes we have to build that path, but as long as we take small daily steps towards our goals, those goals are truly possible. And along the way, I throw in some tools from meditation and hypnosis and yoga and other things that I've learned that have really helped me on my own journey. And with those tools and with that inspiration, I really just hope to help people take control of their own lives and take those steps.
0: Cool. And um, how long have you been doing this podcast?
1: I have been doing it for about six months. Um, it's been on my mind for two to three years, but uh, as with a lot of people, um, 2020 has given me the time and the mental focus to really put it out there.
0: That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Um, so the next question I have for you is, um, it's actually, we're going to switch gears a little. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about music therapy. As you see behind me, there's a book, it's called The Music of My Life. And um, that book is about my journey with mental health um, as a woman with bipolar disorder. I share my journey, but I talk a lot about music therapy and how it was very helpful towards um, my journey. So with that said, what type of music do you like? Yeah, what type of music do you like?
1: Yeah. I like folk and Americana. Um, I grew up in the rural, you know, in rural Wisconsin. And so I had a lot of influence from country and I realized very quickly, I wasn't quite into that. But uh, folk in Americana has that simplicity that I really enjoy. The lyrics are very deep and they're very meaningful, and the instrumentals are very, very eloquent. Like surprisingly eloquent. I, I grew up uh, taking piano lessons, and so I know a fair amount of um, music theory behind, you know, the the chords and the progressions and everything. And seeing the the musicality that these banjo players and mandolin players were bringing to these songs, it just blew me away and I've been hooked ever since.
0: Amazing, okay. So if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, Mm -hmm. what would it be and why?
1: I would say After Many Miles by The Ghost of Paul Revere. And it's kind of a darker song. It's dark, but hopeful. It talks about mortality, but it also talks about the idea, as long as we continue taking those steps and continue walking those miles, that we are eventually going to get where we want to go.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so very much, Doug, for joining us on the show. I think people will definitely find your episode very interesting, especially with the hypnosis. I mean, that's really, you know, and how they're actually connected with um, meditation. That's kind of pretty cool. That's cool little correlation there. So with that said, and to all you resilient minds out there until next time, Please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also join the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonicrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, the music of my life on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. If you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with Doug's testimonial, Please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself, Only Cleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at Making Your Meaning. And remember, mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford and I'm signing off.